Today, I will talk with Talia, the head of well-being at Amdocs. As part of her role, Talia promotes an agenda of cultural change, creating a common language around well-being, new work, and life routines. She comes from a technology background and had various roles in Amdocs over the past years. She is certified in positive psychology, mental training, and Kundalini yoga. For many years, this was two parallel tracks in her life until she realized that her mission is to bring well-being into the organization. Over the past years, she is creating programs for employees to make this a reality. Stay with us and we learn from Talia from her experience. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. And I will be happy to hear from you about uh, your journey, your path, if you remember a specific event that impacted you to go in this direction. Hi, Karen. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I started my journey as a high-tech girl, actually straight from a university. I started to work as a student. I studied computer science and chemistry and nothing related to well-being. And for many years, I worked as a programmer, as a product manager, a solution architect. Then I was a marketing manager, many, many roles in a very demanding environment in various places around the world. So I was in relocation in the U.S., and in England. And what happened after a few years of a very extreme, high-tech, ambitious career, I had my first uh, son. Um, And uh, then I started to struggle with life, uh, known issues of uh, work and life, you know, the work-life balance. So when I was with my kid, I'm sure many people uh, this would resonate with. I was worried about work. And when I was at work, I was worried that I'm not enough, uh, spending enough time with my child. Mm -hmm. And a few years later, actually two years later, I had twin girls. And all of a sudden I had three kids under three, (laughs) something like that. And in parallel, I wanted to keep being this uh, ambitious uh, woman who wanted to achieve myself and get promoted. And this conflict was not easy. Mm-hmm. So I decided after 12 years in this high-tech career to take a leave of absence and spent a year at home, after which I left the company. And I started to ask questions. And I had actually had this dream for many, many years. It was hidden in the back of my mind about helping other women achieve this balance. And it was very interesting because I couldn't achieve it myself. And I, I decided... <laughs> You know, we we teach what we need to learn. You know, this is how it works in life, no? (laughs) Yes. So I started a journey of, uh, I I went through a coaching process and and I started to ask the big questions about what's my purpose and what are my passions. And, you know, it it was sort of waking up Mm -hmm. because I was on autopilot, like many of us for many, many years. I finished university. I worked in high tech. I had a kid. I got married first. And it was it was doing it was part of the system. And all of a sudden you leave and you're starting to ask questions. And maybe if I roll back a few years, uh, uh, you asked me what was the turning point making my 
in thinking about these things. So I think I, I, I wasn't aware of it when it actually happened, but when I was uh, first year in university, so when I was 21, quite yeah. young, my father died of a heart attack and he was, he was 44. Wow. And yeah, this is the part like in, the, in, in, in reality shows that you put the background music and yeah. you know, very quickly telling my personal story. But it was, you know, an existential crisis in my life. It was uh, something that, you know, one minute he was alive and the next minute he, he wasn't there. Well, very difficult thing to go through. So I think that when I took this leave of absence, it's the first time that I stopped to realize what I've been through and uh, how young he was and to think about myself and to start asking these big questions. I think that maybe some people go through a whole lifetime and ask these questions. Yes. And it's not something that, you know, you, you make the connection immediately. But now, looking backwards, I understand that when you're going through something like this and, and when you're going through some kind of an existential life and death situation or you know about people who face a disease, then you understand that, you know, we live only once and we don't want, I didn't want to waste it on, on being on autopilot. I wanted to, to live the best life I could. Yeah. What does it mean? Then you start asking bigger questions and, you know, what am I here for and what are the good things in me that I can use to make good out of it. Mm -hmm. And then I actually came to realize a dream that I had. Uh, I had a dream to open a well-being center for women. Mm-hmm. to help women deal with the work-life balance. And I actually opened it. I had, um, I was an entrepreneur. I had my business for, it was open for four years and actually saw a lot of women. And back then, this was 2008. And I, I did many things intuitively. So, you know, how these days well-being is sort of mainstream and uh, mindfulness and consciousness are a part of our it's not part of our day-to-day but it's it's out there in 2008 it wasn't the the conversation Uh, but I did it very intuitively and I I understood that you need to look at it from a holistic point of view and I wanted to give women and I wanted to give women because this is the place that I was in this struggle of how can you make it? It was it was all about taking care of ourselves. It was all about taking care of, of the individual person coming to the center. And for each person, it was something else. So for one, it was, it, you know, I had uh, alternative treatments like reflexology and shiatsu and massage. And I had beauty treatments. And I had a little store with some beautiful things. And I did workshops. So some things were deeper and some things were just having nail polish on your fingers. But in common, it was how can you get an hour, half an hour, two hours to yourself, shut Mm -hmm. the door and take care of you. I think this is the this was the essence. Uh, you're taking care of everybody. Street, it was like big ads saying you're taking care of everyone. What about you? Mm-hmm. And only if you take care of you, you can take care of everybody else. And women told me, you know, I saw this sign and I said, yes, it's me, Amazing. and I want to take care of myself. I want to to refer something to what you said before. 
It, it's interesting. I think you said a few important things. First of all, you use the word balance, work-life balance, and I think today they understood that we can't have really balance, but we need to integrate work and life, find the right integration for us, right? Because it never will be balanced. Sometimes it's more intensive at work and sometimes it's more intensive at home and we need to find the right integration for us. So I think even the understanding of this can enable us to approach in a different way. Another thing, what I heard from your story, I think it's amazing because usually I think Steve Jobs said it in his uh, known lecture in Harvard or Stanford, sorry, when he said that when you see the picture, when you look at the end of the story and then you can connect the dots. And as you said about your father, you didn't understand at this point what the impact it had on you. It was sure it was really hard and sad and sorrow and a lot of hard feeling you experienced. Um, however, it impacts your, your path. It's caused you to pause, to take a space and to really ask yourself questions instead of continuing on the automatic pilot. And this is amazing. It helps you to awaken and to choose your destiny actually, and to really work from, live from a passionate place and to fulfill yourself. So I think if we are connecting it also to the pandemic situation that we are living in right now, I think although it's really a tough situation and, and we experience a lot of uncertainty and, and fear and anxiety, I think what I'm hearing from your story that in each situation, even if it's hard and it's hard, we can pause and ask ourselves questions that can make us go to the right path or make a fulfilled, fulfilled life. So it's also this aspect that it's really important even now to, for us as a tip to pause and stop and not ignore this hard feeling because we can't ignore them. However, look what's, what really is meaningful for us in this life and what we want to achieve. And maybe we can also redirect our path or our doing. So thank you for that. I think it's uh, great. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I can add to that. I think, uh, you know, there there is a conversation about uh, what are we going to take out from this uh, pandemic and are we going to remember, are we going to go back to what was before? Uh, it, you know, it's hard to say because we're a part of, it, it, it's still here. Yeah. We, you know, there is a big uh, uh, level of uncertainty. Uh, but my answer, and, and this goes back, it's sort of an existential crisis, right? When someone mm-hmm. is living on this uh, autopilot and suddenly there is something like a pandemic, something happens to each and every person. You suddenly understand that nothing is trivial. You know, everything that we thought was obvious and everything that, you know, is part of the system is is, is not obvious and not part of the system. So I think that everyone will probably get out of this uh, situation in a different uh, in a different way and maybe some people are more far away from um, understanding but it does something for you even if you don't see it now and I, I like to look at life as, as a dance I really uh-huh. like the analogy of a dance and and everything that happens to us we need to dance with it and and you know it's it's not easy sometimes to look at the harder parts in our life and someone would tell me you know oh, this pandemic has so many negative aspects and how can you call it a dance but uh, Einstein said I like to, to to quote him I almost in every lecture that I give I quote Einstein saying 
that uh, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle and the other is as though even everything is a miracle. And uh, even if you don't see it now, the great thing is to be able to see it um, in perspective and to understand that it's all somehow for the good of us, for the good of humanity, for the good of the planet, you know, it can be very big, but... Yeah, yes, I, I agree with you. We are in the middle of a transformation and we really don't know how it will look, but eventually it's supposed to have also a, a positive side along the negative ones and how we can embrace the positive and learn from what we need to learn in order to, to take it to the next level and to use it in our benefit. So I think it's... It's a practice, you know, it's actually a mindfulness practice, right? To accept the situation and not to resist it because as we resist more, we suffer more, right? So patients say, okay, this is the situation. What can I do? What can I impact and what can I do differently? What I can change and live with it. So it's state of mind that we need to embrace, I think, nowadays. Yeah, and, and I want to go back if, to, to the comment you, you said about the work-life integration, Yeah, uh, which I agree to. I, I like always to look at it as, even a bigger uh, a bigger circle so it's not only work and life i almost want to say today that there is a work life health integration uh, because there are so many parts of us you know we have our physical uh, well-being we have uh, dr tal ben shaha who i studied uh, in his uh, happiness studies academy school mm-hmm. talks about the spire elements and uh, it's spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional. And this is all part of this uh, circle. And of course, you can never be perfect in all the elements of this, I call it the whole being circle. Mm-hmm. But at least you need to ask yourself every, every day, every now and then, how am I doing in each of these aspects? And what do I need to do? What is the small change that I need to take? in order to be a little bit better, because it's all interconnected. I can invest a lot in my physical uh, well-being and practice and eat very healthy, but my relationships are not good or I'm not happy at work. Then, then my well-being is, is the, the, the circle, is the, the, the wheel is, is bumpy. Yeah, it impacts one another. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So I hear it. And I agree with your holistic perspective. You say all is connected and we are a complete human being. You know, when I facilitate workshop, I talk about the pizza. We can bring only the uh, part of the pizza into work, like the corn and the uh, uh, olives. We need to bring all our pizza to the workplace, right? So we need to bring all our parts, as you say. They need to be nourished, all of them. I can't ignore some of them into uh, think I will have a great well-being. This is a progress. So... According to this, what, how do you bring this uh, holistic uh, viewpoint and how does it manifest in your job at Amdocs at the head of well-being? What are you doing there in order to help people really increase their well-being and nourish themselves and to impact the organization as well? Yeah, so just to conclude the path after I had my business and uh, I went back to, to high tech because uh-huh. uh, uh, from a financial perspective, it was... Uh, <laughs> I can say it was a bit challenging and I found myself back in high tech and, and, and I decided to, to bring well-being as who, I'm, who I, I am in the, in the high tech, in the business world. Mm-hmm. I didn't to be authentic, you mean? 
be authentic, be myself, be different, be different, you know, try mm. to not to be in the rat race. I didn't yes. understand initially what it meant. I came back uh, to the to the innovation unit, still not well-being. And after leading innovation for a few years, a little bit letting go of the well-being part in me, but nef- ne- never really letting it, uh, letting go of it. I think the world came to some kind of uh, an maturity. understanding and in parallel. Matur- the world came to maturity and I came to some kind of maturity. Like you said in the introduction, I thought it, it, was, too, it was either high-tech or well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and ar- about a year ago, I decided to, to experiment. Uh, and I asked permission to do a pilot in Amdocs. And I didn't say this before, but Amdocs is a 26,000 employee company, a global one, provide the solutions to the telecommunication uh, industry and uh, very focused on, on job to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, on, on, on its uh, resource, which is the best employees uh, we can have. But I felt that there is much more that we can do. And Part of this permission to do this uh, this pilot, I started to work with a group of 30 people. This was the first uh, the first step, and created a well-being program, which was based on the same uh, concept that I talked with you about this uh, circle of whole being and the different aspects that I thought needed to be brought into the the, the work environment and to in, and into our life. I sort of invented it again based on intuition, but a lot of what I studied over the past uh, few years. Uh, you know this program because I invited you as one of the uh, honored lecturers in this program. Uh, and, and this is the first thing that I did and, and keep doing since then. Uh, it was back then it was a pilot. Now it's my official role in, uh, in Amdocs. And I think the the most important aspect of the program is working with the employees and giving them a lot of knowledge from the outside, talking about what does it mean to introduce well-being into our life. Mm-hmm. And when I say life, it's our life at home and it's our life at work. So this is one of the things that I do is, is to, I, I, I say it's to educate, but it's more for learning by doing. To so expose them, no? To let them to experience. Expose yeah, to let them experience. And I talk about small small changes we can bring into our life because when I want to bring these two sort of not related worlds of uh, self-development and, uh, and well-being and mindfulness into the business world, some people, it, for some people, it's hard to digest. And I feel that I need to help them, to get to get them exposed and to help them experience. And not use big words, but just talk about, you know, when I talk about mindfulness, I like to go, to bring one minute meditation, which is, you know, one minute uh, is something that everybody can do as part of their day to day. And uh, I like to talk about small changes like getting up every one or two hours and stretching and moving around, mm-hmm. two minutes of breathing, 10 minutes of meditation. Uh, doing meetings differently, and and it's all small changes that are should and, and are becoming part of our day to day in the organization. That although they seem small, there are so many researches that show how much of an impact it makes on people's life and on the organization's uh, bottom line. Yes, on the well-being. Yeah. 
So you give them really practical exposure to really practical tools to act a little differently in order to gain different results from themselves and the organization, even the ability to pause for one minute, you come refresh right to the next meeting, like putting in your diary five minutes between meetings and to take a deep breath, you come fresh to the other situation meeting and then you can be more present there, right? So it's really small things. It's not like going out to meditate for 30 minutes, but to embrace different aspects in your day-to-day. And this is, you yeah. say, resonates in the culture. It resonates in the culture and, and a few interesting things happen. First of all, when both people to, to this kind of content and it's about physical well-being and mental health and personal development and then they start to lead by example themselves and they start to initiate things in their in the organization so it's becoming they're like ambassadors uh-huh. this is why I said I think this is the most important part of my program because I already have hundred people who went through these courses in the last few months and these people are like a butterfly effect yeah and taking initiatives uh, and bringing lectures and doing things it, it, it's amazing to see it so it's like is- a, it's like a stone that you send into the water and it resonates right and make ripples so this is Absolutely. what you're doing this is the way you bring this well-being in a state of mind it's amazing i think it's really the way the way to do it because it, it's a way that people need to embrace this state of mind this way of living and you can't force it in them Absolutely. And I see people moving their life and it's really, it's really gotcha. amazing to see it. I see an impact in the organization. I see How do you see, what do you see in the organization different? So I see people talking about it. I okay. see people coming together and creating initiatives. You know that uh, Deloitte, a recent paper on uh, HR main, uh, main topics for the next year, are, is one is well-being and how you need to incorporate your well-being as part of organization day-to-day because there are so many researchers that show how it impacts the company's bottom line. And the second one, there are additional additional aspects that this, these are the main things that I took from there. It's a belonging, it's a sense of belonging. And part of what, uh, what I'm doing in my program is also connecting people around their passion and taking people out from now. It's a little bit harder because many people are working uh, from home but uh, before it was uh, connecting them in happy hour events. And, and my vision is to connect people around different areas that they're passionate about in order to make this, uh, to handle this sense of, I see the vibe, I see the vibe, I see people talking about it. I see people wanted to t- wanting to take part in the next uh, courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to add, the second part of this is, of course, the leadership aspect. So I started bottom-up, but in parallel, top-down is extremely important. So I didn't want to wait until leadership will make decisions and teach leadership and cascade down, which is something that is usually the common practice in many, many places. I believe it needs to be both ways, but I think that leaders... Taking, uh, leading by example and taking ownership and doing things. This is uh, when when I will have both of them working full power, then it's, it's the change that I'm aiming for. That's amazing. Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Huh? So 
this is leading by example. And it's amazing because when I talked with Charles from Microsoft, he also said that leading by example. So it's really important in order to lead, first of all, to start with ourselves. Talia, can you give a tip to executives in the other corporate worlds that want to initiate these kinds of programs and uh, to implement it in the culture and the day-to-day? What, what tip can you give them in order to start to initiate it? And what are the barriers and the challenges that you encounter in this path? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I really believe that it's all about small changes and uh, don't try to to make very big programs and just start with the small changes, even if it's with a small group doing the small changes, and then it will cascade and, and grow. I think it's important because it's not, it can, you know, it's not an easy thing to do in, in in a corporate environment. And in parallel to starting small, I think the second thing is about recruiting leaders who are early adapters mm-hmm. and who can be your sponsors. Even, again, don't look for a big group of leaders, even one or two leaders that you can run with. I did the pilot with one of an amazing leader in Amdocs. And the fact that she agreed to sponsor this pilot and then we proved how successful it was then I actually got this official role. So just start, don't be afraid. This is coming from my innovation role. Uh, combining um, the complete person you're putting. <laughs> I, I think that what, what I'm bringing from my innovation role is the fact that uh, the experiment uh, portion of it and running proof of concept. So it's not a copy-paste environment. I don't know of many organizations that this this kind of uh, program mm-hmm. and when you're inventing something new I assume that in a couple of years it will be more common but today it's sort of new and you need to experiment and don't not be afraid so you try something if it doesn't work it's okay don't, to don't worry. yes <laughs> try something yes Yes, I, and you don't need to invent everything yourself. I'm I'm using the best uh, people from from outside, like yourself, and additional you. uh, great uh, experts to help me in this journey. But I make mistakes, and uh, and 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 the thing is, when you frame it like this, when you say, you know, this is something new. I'm creating plans. It's not something that you know. Uh, it's it's not a copy paste, and we will make it. Uh, we will make it great. I think there is more openness to this mm-hmm. approach. You know that the interesting thing that happened uh, with uh, COVID nineteen. I yeah, I started my role in last November, and uh-huh. it was supposed to be a very gradual uh, plan. I created a plan. I invented a plan. And I was supposed to start in Israel and then continue in India and then go to North America and uh, slowly make it gradual. And then Corona came and everything became exponential. And the need for well-being became <laughs> amazing, amazing. It's, it's an amazing momentum. And all of a sudden I'm called to different managements around the organization and everybody needs everything now. And I needed to expedite the plan. Uh-huh. I think it's an amazing opportunity to all the organizations. There is a lot Especially of... nowadays, huh? and there's a lot of yes, need. Absolutely. I want to reframe what you've said, because I think it's really important. You said that you actually came from a humble place. You came from not knowing all the answers, and 
being sure about your product, but you invited them to as partners to be with you in this process, in this pilot, and to try together and to make it accurate along the way. So I think this is a really important attitude. Otherwise, it can make resistance. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, now that you, you, <laughs> you phrase it like this, uh, coming from a humble place, coming from an authentic place, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to lead by example, but I think we are all human when you talk about well-being and, and both the employees and the leaders making this journey are making a journey. And the small changes is relevant also. You know, sometimes we go a step forward and two steps back. Sometimes we are facing great days and sometimes we're facing challenges. And uh, I think authenticity, being humble and, and not knowing, it's part of this dance that I was talking about before. Yeah. It's a little bit of surrender to, to the situation and doing the way. And I, I think that people join me. And also, I think being vulnerable, right? Saying, okay, this part I know, this part I know less. Can you help me? Can you be with me in this? So I think it's really, as you said, you're leading by example, but putting you ahead, right? Being vulnerable, being humble, being authentic. This is amazing part of you that you succeed in doing it in the, engaging the people. It's, it's not to take as granted, right? Something. To- yes, I'm not taking anything for granted. And I'm very thankful about the opportunity to do something like that. Really, it's, you know, it's organization giving me this role and believing that this is relevant and this is something that is needed, although it's not completely known. And I think that people are joining. It's sort of a movement. Mm-hmm. People are joining this movement. Uh, and one of the most beautiful things that is happening is that people really appreciate. Employees appreciate that their organization is seeing mm-hmm. them. Is you know we talk a lot about people centricity uh, in Amdo, and this is real people centricity. People saying thank you for investing in our well-being. It's not only career development. It's not uh, only my uh, professional uh, journey, it's also my personal journey because we understand and we really believe that if I'm feeling good, if I'm whole, if I'm attempting and doing the work, then I'm a better employee, I'm a better manager, I'm a better everything. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that the, the people really appreciate it, right? Because usually I heard another podcast now that they talked about employees feeling abused so we, it's amazing that people feel that they've been seen because when we see people they are with us they will be engaged but from an authentic place as you said not from using them in order to gain the result that we want because otherwise it will be the short term so it's really i think as we know this is the the way to lead it's not al- always easy and sometimes the deadlines and all the delivery that we need to do but at the same time we need to hold to see the complete person and to hold this tension between the needs of the organization and the needs of the employee and to really embrace it and to see what's accurate. I think yeah, to be I, I believe it's yeah, I believe it's the future. I believe this is the future of uh, of work. This is the only way that uh, organizations will be able to to survive. And like I said before, it's it's not only work life, it's work life health. It's it's the whole person, it's the whole being, and it must be connected. It must yeah. be connected. What does the future hold, both for well-being and the workplace and for you? Well, how do you summarize? So for the workplace, 
like I just said, I think it's uh, it's more about this integration. It's bringing mental health into the organization's life in some way. It's bringing physical health. It's bringing emotional health in parallel. So I think there are two, two lines in the employee experience. There is the personal employee experience from the time employees recruited until the time he's leaving the company. And all these aspects need to be handled uh, and in parallel to the professional development. So I think this is, a, this is a shift, the way that human resource is looking at the employee's lifespan in the organization. The ex- employee experience. The employee experience, but not, uh, it's, it's, it's from welfare to well-being. It's not about the big parties and fun, mm-hmm. fun, fun, and investing yes, it's a, in it's a cycle. It's the employee cycle in the workplace. Right. It's the employee cycle in the workplace. It's seeing the employee. It's asking the employee, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Not uh, only in, in certain points of uh, recruitment, crisis, attrition. How are you feeling this morning? What is your state of mental health? I think mental health is something that will be part of uh, uh, what the organization needs to deal with. You know, today there is a, a, a lot uh, around physical health and uh, there are different checkups. So there is a physical checkup. It's part of the corporate world. In, in many places, you get once a year a physical checkup. Mm-hmm. So what's your mental checkup? Emotional checkup. Interesting. Does it need to be once a year? It needs to be, um, needs to be present and I need as an employee to have the channels to deal with these aspects, whether in the organization or in tools that are brought to me. I think that technology, something, uh, the digica, digital revolution, something that harmed our well-being in a sense, I think we need to, to change the will and to get technology to support us for mm-hmm. our well-being. So I am looking today for solutions for startups who can bring into the day-to-day, in, into my calendar, Breathing opportunities, mindfulness opportunities. How can I start a meeting with two minutes of breathing? How can I monitor my stress levels? So how can I use technology to my advantage as opposed to the technology a little bit ruining uh-huh. my, my well-being? And as for myself, what is the future? First of all, to make a revolution in my company. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there is amazing things being done uh, today. And uh, I think that we can do a lot more and maybe one day to make a resol- revolution uh, in my city, in my country. I don't know, who knows? <laughs> you have a big vision. <laughs> Dreaming big. Yeah, dream is a good thing. So Talia, thank you very much for being here and sharing with us your experience and inspiring work. And it's really an important work that you are doing. And I'm also sure that this is the new world that we are heading and the need to connect people, to enable them to feel well. And as a result, the organization will flourish and be creative because we can bring ourselves fully. So thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. This was Talia Landau, the head of well-being at Amdocs. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned for our next episode. Take care.